0: I'm Jonathan Katz, and thank you for listening to Hey We're Back. The podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and you can get direct links and more information at jonathancatz.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share. And I appreciate your support. Hey We're Back. This is Jonathan Katz, the guy who likes to say, Hey We're Back. I don't get it either. Hi, this is Jonathan Katz. And on April 20th of this year, I went to Philadelphia, where I joined my friend Lou Schneider at the Kelly Writers House at UPenn. And I met a woman named Amy Miller for the first time, who's a young comedian who had just given up her day job as a social worker to pursue a career in stand-up comedy. And I think she made the right decision.
1: Oh,
2: um, well, it's uh, first of all, if you guys want to take your mics out and do it club style, that's okay. It, it's it's a little weird to have mics on stands like this because you feel like you should play folk music. Um, first of all, I uh, for those of you who don't know me, you can just hold on to it. I'll get it. Later. Um, got just, it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I was, there we go.
1: Kambaya,
2: I, I, um, my lord. Come <laughs> by ya. Okay. uh We have... A great show tonight. Um, I feel like it's not a show exactly. Um, I guess because it's writer's house, we're going to talk a lot about you know how we come up with you know people ask comedians how do you think of that stuff you know how do you come up with that stuff and that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about tonight the cr- creative process and and how it relates to stand-up comedy uh, you know or if it relates to stand-up comedy um, who just threw something have people already started throwing I don't me? know I'm just um, breaking well let me stuff. just give you a little background for myself um, I, I I went to Penn. Um, and uh, it was a completely different place uh, when I when I was here. It was a uh, two-year secretarial school. Uh, but, God, they it's really like once, like they really have made something of it. And I, and I guess they're going to open a business school at some point. It's going to be great. Um, but it, it's a pleasure to come back, and it's a pleasure to see something like Kelly Writer's House grow and flourish. And... Um, And originally it is, Al and I were talking about this before, he once asked me to do something here and I and he said you know talk about writing and, and comedy and I'm like I'm not a writer I'm just a comedian um, and now since um, your phone is like the movies uh, stand up comedy is like writing I mean they consider anything anything now so it doesn't matter <laughs> so uh, comedy still isn't writing but whatever it's all entertainment but we have amazing examples of that tonight in, in my my two guests and we're so lucky to have these people here tonight um, and the way this will go. I will watch, for those of you who aren't completely immersed in their work to this point, um, we'll watch a little bit of uh, video on all three of us, and then um, we'll talk a little to each one, and then we'll um, sort of open it up for questions if uh, people are still uh, awake and are back from the cheese. So, um, first of all, let me just, uh, our our first guest uh, comes to us uh, from the Bay Area. She lives in uh, Oakland. Uh, She grew up in where? Portland?
3: No, no, no. I grew up in the Bay Area. So
2: grew up in the Bay Area. I've been
3: living in Portland for about three years, but I just but, moved from there.
2: Started her stand-up comedy career. Yeah, yeah. And now and. She's been doing this five years.
3: <laughs> this is, I'm like in the process of having just left my life to do stand-up full-time. So you guys are catching me in the You're middle of a breakdown. Yeah. You. yeah, you can see it today. It's amazing.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, there's. I've I watched. I've watched Amy's set uh, one. I've watched two sets, and, I, and the last set, I was like. I, I sort of assume she. You, you can brag a little. She was the. You were. No, I cannot. One. All right. Well, I'll say it. You, by the way, comedy, they continue to have these comedy competitions that they, you know, like last comic standing on television, which is really comedy. Are let's. How can we make it tougher? Uh, it's already a terrible life. People are drunk. They listen or don't listen or worry about things, and you're supposed to entertain them at weird hours in smoky rooms and, or maybe not even smoky anymore. But uh, that's the only thing that's gotten better. But then it's all of a sudden. Let's make it a competition. But Amy uh, has you were funniest person in Portland.
3: Yes, last year. Yeah, he, they have a thank you. They also have a helium, which you guys have here. You should go if you haven't been yet. Uh, and yeah, they they do a contest every year, so that's what I won.
2: She won that. That's that's of all the people in Portland the funniest.
3: All those, all those renowned comedians you know in Portland, Oregon. But that's a Name lot. Name two.
2: <laughs> but we're thrilled to have her here, and uh, especially since you know, it's like I don't, I'm, I stopped doing stand up comedy essentially, other than school benefits, uh, really like in 1992, other than being a fan. So I just don't get on stage any, anymore because I'm a TV writer and producer, and, and comedy's at night. And once you, there are nightclubs, and once you have kids, you stop, night becomes a terrible, dark time for you. <laughs> and so I, I'm dealing with that. Problem at night, and I can't go out and talk to other irrational people at night. I have to deal with my kids at night. So, uh, so now it, I, I'm sort of unconnected in some ways from anybody who except who appears on YouTube and who my kids say uh, are hilarious. But I actually could turn my kids on to Amy Miller, and uh, so that's been a great thing. Um, this other person um, you uh, may know or recognize uh, as uh, the great and fabulous Jonathan Katz. <laughs> Um, I will not list his credits. They are available in a hardbound volume. <laughs> and uh, you will see plenty of him. But uh, And you'll see some of his clips tonight. But l- why don't we start by showing some of Amy, do you want to set up your clips at all? Or, or do you want to show me first? Uh, do you want to see just to prove that I once did it?
3: Yeah, let's see yours. Let's see yours. Okay, I want to see this. This will
2: show you. And, and here's, here's the beautiful part about this clip. I don't have a clip. Um, it's from an HBO... S- yeah, l- look look at that. Look at the hedge uh, sitting on top of my head.
1: Uh,
2: I honestly could not find a clip. This is a, a half-hour HBO special that I did in 1992. And let's just play a game. Let's just scroll, just push the time slider line. I'll tell you why. Because there's no good minute. <laughs> It, I, took, I, t- I started some premise at five seconds and interrupted myself without saying a funny thing for 30 continuous minutes. Never got to a funny thing. So, so cool
3: to be a white well, guy in this industry. <laughs> you don't even have to be good. No, absolutely. No, this is the difference. You just this get a how- collared shirt and they give you a half hour. <laughs>
2: This is what I'm saying. It's evolved so much. This is before jokes started. I mean, there used to be. There, this is before, like, you know, Bob Hope used to tell jokes, like mother-in-law jokes. But this is like, I just had the mannerisms of a comic. So uh, well, yeah, let's see what this is. I don't know. I'm making a funny face here. Let's see what happens here. Oh. Oh, oh yeah, that's pretty funny. Hold on. I should set this up. Go back a little bit. I'm too loaded to play again. This. Uh, I, go back a little. I simply don't have the speed and coordination. All right, go, back. Just go, back, go, back, go back Go back Now they play How many? Alright start Go back five, This is a little trip Down memory lane I'm talking about five, The compact disc player, <laughs> player.
1: <laughs>
2: Okay you could not finish The whole Oreo Okay You were not committed yeah, To the cookie yeah, I'm going to interrupt this This is lame 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 lame, happy, lame, lame lame no, no, lame 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 No no I'm not going to be quiet Always had the bite sized Dorito It was just the lower third Of the bag Alright Mindless babble No My wife wants you to be quiet. No. Now you can listen. So we eat more healthily, we try to cook in our house, but it's not as easy as it used to be because most of our kitchen appliances are breaking down, you know how that happens in your house where your appliances start to go, like you can't just flip them on and get action anymore, you have to like flip them on and then jiggle the plug or hit it or shake it or tilt it, which means my wife and I can still survive, but company comes over, they are helpless, they're like, let us make the coffee. No, no, why not? Because you don't know our coffee maker. What do you mean? Well, you don't know how to wave the cloven hoof and do the chicken blood ceremony. And it's not just in the kitchen. My compact disc player is broken. Now we have the old style compact disc player, the kind that just plays the one disc. Now they play, how many? There's five? Who can plan five discs into the future, you know? That's so long. By the time you get to disc number five, that band broke up a long time ago. (laughs) The way the old style disc player worked, or is supposed to work, is you hit the button, the thing slides out, you put the disc on, you hit the button again, the thing slides back in, music plays, not ours. What happens with ours is you hit that button and the thing just goes, zip, zip, that's how long it stays out there if I've had one beer I'm too loaded to play a compact disc I simply don't have the speed and coordination necessary to get that disc onto that tray in that nanosecond of time it's like a trap shooting contest I have to hold the disc and yell pull my wife hits the button I'm like okay stop that right now oh We can talk about it later. All right, and, uh, let's go back. Let's now watch some real comedy. Somebody talking well, about a real thing, real material. Amy Miller, do you want to set it up?
3: Sure. Well, I don't know which one you're going to show.
2: You're going to you're going to pick it. It's off. Uh, okay. You, you can, you can, you uh, well,
3: who's back there? You just if you're on my website. There, he's, right,
2: he's right here.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, well, I only have one video up, I think, on amymillarcomedy.com. Check it out. Um, on the videos page. And, well, the setup is, uh, this is me doing about 20 minutes this year, so it's, like, things that I like right now um, at the Doug Fir in Portland, which is a beautiful venue if you've never been there. Um, And I get a heckler at some point in the middle. It's Amy Miller, just like it sounds. Um,
2: (laughs) Spelled the way it's spelled.
3: (laughs) So if you go to videos... Well, I do have my last comic clip up here, which is real weird. I don't know if you guys want to see that or a real thing. Uh, do you care?
2: I, I like that Douglas Firth thing.
3: Okay, yeah. So that's it. Like, this is the worst thing, by the way. you seen
1: her on Movies. She was a in the last
2: comic if you standing. guys don't you know laugh, her. I'm going oh, Give it
3: up they're gonna laugh. Miller, everybody.
0: <laughs> Could you kill the lights? The house lights? Hey,
3: give it over Trevor Thorpe, you're wonderful. God, what a horrible story, voice way in my head so wonderful to see you all uh happy new year we can still say that we can still say that right oh look at all those views thank you very much i just had my 35th birthday <laughs> yeah dude it's kind of non-age no one cares unless you're actually 35 but for some reason it was this weird milestone for me where i finally accepted that the window has closed in my life on me ever being like a trophy girlfriend for someone? You don't have to laugh it's just that a quickly. a amazing thing that we all want as young women. <laughs> like. And I I'm just not it's a different kind of hot, you know what I mean? Like I know what's going on up here. I'm very cute. There's something going on. It's not nothing. It's something, but it's not it's not trophy hot. You know what I mean? And that's a lot of the time what you guys are looking for because there is nothing that dudes love more than when your own friends also want to fuck your girlfriend. You love that not just your friends, your family members, you know, I mean? like, you want, you want to take a woman home for Christmas and be like, Dad, uh, do you want to have sex with her too? This is the only approval I need. It's just so great. And I'm just not that kind of hot, like, I'm not trophy hot. It's a very different thing. Like, it's like, it's like you hitting that hot, you know what I mean? Like that thing between dudes that I assume happens. Like like sir. Are you hitting that? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Fucking awesome! You guys can't see her, she's so beautiful. And it's a crazy thing because like you get all this credit. But she's doing literally all the work. (laughs) Like, she's awesome. You're probably a piece of shit. And people are like, you did it, bro. (laughs) Dudes love it. God, you live for each other's approval. It is kind of gay if you think about it. Just think about this. And I'm just not... I'm not trophy hot. Like, I'm not going to be that girlfriend to someone if you're alone with your dude friends in a room and I'm your girlfriend. They might throw you, like, a... She's funny. That's it. That's all. She's a great cook. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just not... And, like, I don't even know if that really happens between dudes or I just assume that... Like, I... This is like all, if I picture dudes alone, all I picture is like, there's sports on somewhere. (laughs) One guy walks into a room and he's like, bro, you hitting that? And another dude is like, fuck yeah. (laughs) Then I don't know what happens after that. You guys like, high five each other, maybe jerk each other off. I don't know, not sure what happens. I just know I'm never going to be the subject of that conversation, and that's fine. I'm not a trophy. Um, to be honest, as a woman, I'm a little bit more like a Stanley Cup. You know? <laughs> yeah. More impressive to Canadian men. You can cut like, it
1: there. Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> This is, like, my worst nightmare. <laughs> Playing a video of my stand-up in front of people.
2: And we're watching it. Today.
3: Yeah, and scrutinizing it. Oh, my God. There's so much lead-up to basically one good line in four minutes. But thank you for watching. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to say basically, Jonathan. Just say. That's okay.
0: You do say doodle doodle a lot.
3: I know. She I did didn't realize well, that until he told I me. I told today. She, I
2: said you called an entire comedy audience. dude. That's amazing.
3: Well, I'm gonna cut it out.
2: What's the what's the minimum number of people to be? What's the maximum that you can dude out on? Right?
3: I don't know. I, I say probably say it more when I'm nervous, and I was probably nervous that night. No, I'm n- nervous most days. Not now, though.
2: <laughs> okay. Not now, though. Kelly writers.
1: <laughs> it's
2: all. Uh, what did you call this out? It's not the living room. It's the arts cafe. It's the
1: arts cafe.
2: But there's nothing cafe-ish in here. It's like just a little. But that's the yeah, cafe. I was like, if anything, that's the cafe. This is the living room. Whatever. We'll, we'll talk about that.
3: It's a lot of dudes.
0: Let's talk to this dude. Oh, wait. B- before you do, oh, I guess you started. I was, no, I just was going to call, call you on your false modesty. That it's such bullshit. You should see my real modesty. okay. It's <laughs> awesome. I mean, no, just, you've said more funny things in your life than most people do in their next life. <laughs> that, I, I would bet that's
2: true, but the yeah. bar is so slow, because the bar is low, because most people are terribly unfunny. That's yeah. why we have jobs. <laughs>
0: no, trick. this is this is something you said to me a few few years ago. We, I was living in California, working on a show, and I was hanging out with my younger daughter. I have a wife and, and two beautiful kids, couple of kids not so attractive. But um, <laughs> no, no, I was hanging out with my with my wife and our youngest daughter, and she brought a friend of hers. And Lou came over. And I'm not sure if Liz joined us that night, but. I have a beautiful wife, too, by the way. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, dude, I'm hitting that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, Lou, a- after Maybe. spending a few minutes with
1: my.
3: me a good night.
0: Lou described this nine-year-old girl as being a little condescending. <laughs> that's, that's a long way to go for a Well, a it's because she got interrupted for yeah. <laughs> that's true. But anyway, continue.
2: So anyway, this is. <laughs> this man, uh, there would be no room for false modesty with Jonathan Katz because he's done everything. He's been in movies, he's been in TV shows, he's had his own TV show, like the groundbreakingest, most fantasticest, as we say at the Writer's House, <laughs> uh, cartoon ever made in Squiggle Vision, the Dr. Katz program. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is. Uh, I remember when he described it to me. Jonathan, why don't you describe the show for those who haven't seen it, and then we'll show it's, clips of it? It's a
0: cartoon about a, a therapist played by me and his son, played by the incredible H. John Benjamin, who's the star of Bob's Burgers and Archer. And just. And John red- Benjamin has a van, for those of you who want yeah. to seek that thing out. Right. It's from just Ellen. A ridiculously funny guy. And all of my patients were comedians. And Lou is one of them. He cured me. He seems better. Um, and when we showed the pilot to Comedy Central, they said, "When do we get to see the real thing?" And <laughs> we said, "This is the real thing," because they couldn't believe it looks so cheap. Um, but, but they love. But but eventually they would love that, right? Yeah, they grew to love it. And yeah, because it cost a nickel and they made a yeah, fortune. Right. <laughs> Um, but that was such a great gig. I would go to work and laugh for several hours, and then go home, and I'd get paid. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, do you want to set up any of your clips, or we'll get back to all um, of this? I, I think what I, I think the what's the first clip you have in, in that folder there? Oh, is that the first one? Oh yeah. Well, this is this is this is a scene from Doctor Katz where. Uh, I'm talking to a guy who's got a whole series of problems. And he happens to be sitting next to me right now. You know, I'm frustrated. Tell me about it. I mean, tell me about it.
2: Because part of the way I express myself is through sarcasm. I mean, sometimes people get it, sometimes they don't. What about the guy who first used sarcasm? That must have been horrible. How's that food? Is it hot enough for you? Oh, yeah, it's plenty hot. Good. Good. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's not, it's Why don't you say it? I was being something. That was Lou Schneider. Okay. The, the, the the fun of doing that. Uh, was that uh, that was something I never could do on that was one where the producer Lauren Bouchard who now runs Bob's Burgers said anything you wanted to to do like a bit that you think would be appropriate that you've never been able to do on stage as, as a standup and that was that was the like it always felt lame to go up on set uh, on on uh, into a club and say what about I'm going to be sarcastic folks. What about the first time anyone was ever sarcastic? It just sort of lends itself much more to the visual to the cartoon and I was like this is perfect for this. So I never did it on
0: stage and I did it on the cartoon. And and the truth is you I, made money and I didn't get anything. The truth is that there's nothing you can't say to your therapist. If you have a therapist that you couldn't say to an audience. Is that true? Yeah. I'm Wait a minute, please. that's a not true. No. No. Wait, let me, let me try that's that again. That's not true. I masturbate,
2: I masturbate constantly. No, you can't. You can't. You I think, you
0: can no, I, think, I think the true part is that there's nothing that you say to an audience that you couldn't also share with your therapist. That's, that's it. Except you'd, be, except yeah. you'd be, she wouldn't be paying to get in, or he would. you'd right. have to pay them. Right. Yeah. Do we have more clips? Yes, this is, uh, this is a, a series of me on a variety of talk shows over the years. And this is me on The Letterman Show. Just had dinner with my dad, and I made a classic Freudian slip. I meant to say, can you pass me the salt, please? But it comes out, you creep, you ruined my childhood. <laughs> Destroyed the mood of his birthday party. <laughs> but this is uh-huh. a tough wreck. I, I have a lot of a lot of compassion for anybody trying to make it in this business because it's just brutal. You know that from from me It is. Own. It's a tough business. Yeah. Talent. You need talent. You need uh, you need luck. And more important than either of those things is, is good business instincts. And that's where I fell short. You have bad uh, business instincts. You tell me. Five years ago, Lorne Michaels calls me, offers me Saturday Night Live. I say <laughs> I say any other night. <laughs> Has this, I mean, has it really changed you, you know, the I, I playing a therapist? I, Are you a different person yeah. I think I'm a better father. I think I'm a more sensitive father. You know, I have two two beautiful kids, a couple of kids not so attractive. But,
1: <laughs> okay. That's the deal.
0: But, but, um, but I, had a, uh, I had a breakthrough it comes up a few more as, times. A, as a parent. Where I realized that it's not so much what you say to the kids; it's picking the right moment. Mm-hmm. I'm Very walking. Yeah. I'm walking my four-year-old to school the other day, and she sees a, a dead squirrel on the ground, and she says, "Daddy, what's what's wrong with the squirrel?" I say, "I'm not sure, but your your mother has a drinking problem." <laughs> Uh, my wife and I are actually in New York on our, Fabio. Honeymoon, on our first honeymoon. Total bust. Because you, know, so, uh, you know we wanted to go to a luxury hotel, which is what we're doing now. Uh, for a real honeymoon, we ended up camping in the Catskill Mountains. First night, three in the morning, I hear a rustling in the woods. I, I open, I stick my head out inside of the tent. Shaky green.
1: <laughs> um,
0: Uh huh. Just pawing his way through your trash. (laughs) Who knows? Working the the room. (laughs) Uh huh. But you know, I am. This is my uh, my hometown, New York. And -hmm. and it's. I live in New England now. But when I come back here, I can't tune into the accent. I was I was midtown today, in a crowded elevator. The elevator man says, "Call out your flaws." I I say, "I'm impatient with the elderly." I'm tucking in my five year old the other night, and she was clearly upset about something. And, and she, apparently, she had seen a commercial for a movie about the Jonestown Massacre. And, and I explained to her, I said, Listen, uh, honey, sometimes, sometimes grown ups join religious cults, and they give their children lethal doses of Kool Aid. Good night, sweetie. <laughs> Hey Good kid, Good kid light sleeper. Yeah. I
1: would think.
0: And uh, it is a tough, being a therapist is a tough racket. You know, not everybody has a stomach for it. I, uh, I saw a guy recently who, every time I start to talk about my childhood, he says, please let's not open that can of worms. <laughs> But I've been in and out of therapy since I was a kid. Really? And that's the time to do it because those childhood memories are still fresh. You know? <laughs> you know. This morning I woke up. I had no sensation in my right hand. You, would, you sleep in a weird position. You cut off the circulation. I, I tried moving my fingers and nothing happens. And with my left hand, I pinch my right hand. No feeling. I take a, a pin from the night table. I prick my finger. My wife screams at the top of her lungs. <laughs> Well, how old are your kids? How how old are they? I have a seven-year-old and I have a 16-year-old daughter who's driving and it's it's scary. And even scarier, there are kids her age who are are sexually active. And she asked my wife and I if she could go on the pill and we don't think she's ready. We gave her placebos. (laughs) Crazy, the longer I'm married, the more I'm losing my single instincts. I was at a party in, in Hollywood last week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Beautiful blonde starlet comes up to me. She says, My husband is away for the weekend, have a lift home. I said, If you knew he was going to be away, you should have made travel arrangements. <laughs> Um, yeah, you got to get back in the swing of things. Well, yeah. But you've been married for a while and the marriage. It's, it's got to be a solid marriage. It's got to be it's a, it's a good marriage. I, although lately I think that my wife has been fooling around because our parrot keeps saying, give it to me hard and fast before my husband John Katz comes home.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, <clears throat> and yes, I oh, love wow. a cracker. Yeah. I am not what you call a, a, a natural... Comedian. E- even after a good show, people would come up to me and say, Hey, you make it look so hard. <laughs>
1: oh. I
0: thank you. Thank you for watching. <laughs> hey, Lou, I wanted to
2: share
0: a... I was walking in. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to share a Conan O'Brien story because... I got there early, and I went into makeup, and I sit down in my in the chair to be to have makeup applied, and I, and I say to the woman next to me, "I'm ready." <laughs> then I get out on the show, and I realize that she's one of the guests. Is <laughs> this actress Jean Triplehorn? Sure,
2: yeah. Sure.
0: Anyway, I was ready. <laughs> Well, that is the
2: beauty for you people just who are thinking of pursuing a career in comedy. Go bald early because you can't tell. I mean, yeah, I'm the same, was. and I have no hair anymore. Yeah, just, uh,
0: well, the weirdest thing is that I, I wasn't smoking weed, but I was in a room where people were smoking, and I, I got a contact high, I guess. And I said to my wife, I, I looked at her and I said, I think I'm starting to lose my hair. <laughs> But anyway, that's
1: uh. <laughs> um, I, I, don't,
2: I know this is not the time to, to well, it is the time because I don't see you very often. Um, I, I just got a check from my appearance on Dr. Katz because they're still running them. Oh, is it is it less than a dollar? Uh, uh, we're going to talk about that because um, I, I, did, I did two episodes of Dr. Katz. Um, and I got that. I got this. Uh, okay, so here's what happened. I remember this distinctly. When they first booked me on the show, Um, this check is for seven cents. Uh, (laughs) Now, I don't know, I mean, I tried to keep you out of this because you were friendly, and I didn't want to make it, but I I remember, I remember, I remember waiting for the offer, and it came in at a nickel. (laughs) And and I said, I need, I need 15 cents. I'm not, I'm not going to do this stupid thing. And they said, a dime and we went back and forth a little there wasn't a lot of back and forth left and i and i settled at 9 cents and then it, the check came for 8 and then they took out taxes so it's 7 <laughs> 7 cents and i and so i guess you know, can, can I still cash this? And then, of course, oh, I, I had such a great set the first time that I demanded a quarter, and after taxes, it was 19 <laughs> cents. So, um, it was a pr- pretty sweet gig. Yeah.
3: Um My future feels so bright younger. right now. Thank you. Thanks, Lou. So glad I quit that day job
2: last week. She was a social worker. You were a social worker, you were
3: making half that. <laughs> that yeah. She works
0: in the music business.
3: Yeah, that was a different life.
0: That's a different life. So but there reps. is there, there is a lot of financials. It's it's a fickle business. I will say that. But but there is so much potential to the money people make in show business is ridiculous. You won't be seeing any of that. <laughs> It's true. By the way, I come to Penn, and I
2: talk to students here, and I'll, say, you know, and and they'll come to the 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 program that I'm I'm participating in, and they'll and I, and I think they're going to want to be writers and directors and actors, and they'll, and I actually get kids now saying, yeah, I'm very I'm interested in go, you know b- going into development, like as an executive. Uh-huh. I'm like. That's Penn for you. Like these kids, like they think, like oh, there's Smart. money to be made somewhere in this thing. I got it. So, but not always. I mean, Penn has, has changed a little. There was no cinema studies department when I was here. Like I said, a secretarial school, and now um, now there is, and I I'm thrilled that that people know that that maybe, you know, someday I can watch somebody else be really really funny with Amy Miller still on the on the bill. Um, But anyway, uh, let's talk a a little bit about the writing process. And this is, uh, obviously, we have two different sort of styles. Um, One who is completely unafraid to talk about anything. If you watch the rest of that set. Is it me or him? No, it's you. (laughs) I'm looking right at you. (laughs) Okay. You're not afraid to go slowly, which is an amazing thing. John? I'm I'm big on silence. It saves so much writing. Yeah. <laughs> if you, can, it, you get paid the same,
1: exactly.
2: But the, John's John lights a long comedy fuse, and Amy uh, is unafraid. A- Amy, clo- I don't want to blow your closer on that thing, but you with oh, one of can... the tr- most tremendous shit stories I've ever heard in my life. But it's oh, a real thank true you. story. <laughs> I mean, anybody can make up a shit story, but hers is amazing.
1: You, you, you
3: yeah, it's a, it's a story about the first slumber party. I Well, the first social event at all that I ever went to. I'm not going to tell it to you now, but essentially I went to a slumber party in first grade and got diarrhea in my sleeping bag. There's a much darker ending to that story that I don't always include on stage because it makes people so sad. <laughs> version that's in that tape is that my father ends up picking me up he has to put me in a trash bag (laughs) and hose me down it's a whole thing uh and so the second social event second slumber party in my life I was ever invited to was just the next year and uh, my dad dropped me off and then he and and then I kill it like I'm I don't shit my pants at this one (laughs) And I play with the other kids like I, I'm i cool for like a day. And my dad doesn't pick me up in the morning. My aunt does. And then she tells me like, oh, uh, by the way, the reason your dad didn't come pick you up is because he died this morning. Aww. So this is why I hate parties. <laughs> um, see, that's why I never.
1: <laughs> well,
2: I was going to get to that later. <laughs> I was going to get to that later, but we were going to let's let's talk about this. Has there ever been? I mean, that's one (laughs) something. You're like, I just think this is hilarious. But I can't find a way to get the audience to bite on this. And is yeah. that one of them, or do you have one of those? Uh,
3: that is one of them. I would and, think maybe. Well, I have another aside <laughs> about, about that story, is that I made the mistake of telling that ending to the great Bobcat Goldthwaite and sure. he's warped. He's very warped. Uh, <laughs> he, wa-
2: he wanted to make the movie.
3: Yeah, and he was like, well, here's no, here's how you could end it, is by saying, well, what's funny is that at the end of the day, you know, both you and your dad shit your pants. Um <laughs> And I don't, uh, he's like, you can use that. And I was like, no thanks. Uh,
1: But I love you.
3: I do. I Well, you brought up my social work background, and before, in another life I worked with foster kids, and I've tried to write jokes about it, but it does really bum people out. And the, <laughs> one, Well, this is writing relevant, too, because my job for the state of California was that I wrote uh, pr- online profiles for kids in foster care who were looking for long-term families, um, and the thing is you can't, you can't share their private information, of course, it's a public website, so it's a great exercise in euphemisms, right? Like, well, no, so if a kid had like severe ADHD, we would have to say, you know, he's got a lot of energy. Um, Try and catch him. Uh, And and in the joke, and also in real life, uh, we had a kid, and this is very sad, who had been so severely abused that he was now in a wheelchair. And uh and I couldn't get away at work with writing. He really rolls with the punches.
2: This is a safe place. I want to explain something to you. We're getting into the shit here, folks. This is you want to know the process. This is the process.
3: Because people hate it. <laughs> But that's
2: no, but I mean, but, but we're talking about like you know, I guess you know people always talk, it's not new ground. But comedy is a defense mechanism for a lot of people, and it was for me, and and it still is. And I, you know, I, you know, there's that old adage that you know, you know, comedy plus uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy, and I don't agree with that. I think that tragedy equals comedy, and I will do any joke right away. And like when the Boston Marathon bombing happened. This is i had I, already sort of stopped doing stand-up, so I'd save the audience. But uh, we're, by the way, this is going to turn into stuff we never felt we could do. You're getting, you know, there's A material, B material. You're getting like R material <laughs> for here today. Um, and I would say I came up with like my first joke between the first and second explosion, which I later found out was like Louis C.K. said, the World Trade Center, he came up with his joke between the
3: first like, and second versus, but, but
2: anyway, my joke is... I felt bad in the Boston Marathon bombing for the people who gave Tamerlan and Sernayev, Tamerlan Sernayev and his wife, like they were running out to their wedding. It's like, oh, what do we give them? Uh, we don't have anything. Just give them the pressure cooker. Who cares? Um, so, that was, so that was the joke I had. <laughs> Ooh, that's very and, dark. And it's a little dark. Yeah. It's a little dark in Massachusetts. Yeah, um, yeah so I, I, I tend not to get to do the dark jokes, but boy, sometimes you get in nightclubs at like 2 in the morning and the comics go, tell that one! And you're like, I can't. And then, of course, you end up doing it. Do you have such a joke? joke? I have a very different approach
0: than either of you. To, to You want to be successful when you do jokes that people like? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I, I think if I'm working in front of a group of people for the first time, I try to find something that I have in common with the audience. And I'm guessing that there's no one in this room who would disagree with this premise, that child pornographers are the lowest form of life on the planet. To the scum of the earth. Does everyone agree with that? We agree with that, John. And I think they should be prosecuted as if they were adults.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Amen, brother. Thank you. Amen. Preach,
0: brother. Preach. Can I get a witness?
2: Yes. You know what I love watching Conan, who knows he's doing setups. I just love it. Now you and your wife, you've had a good
0: marriage. Like, yeah. Thank you, Conan. Just like I would just say, Jonathan, do your marriage joke number three right now. One of my, one of my favorite experiences like that was on Politically Incorrect. Uh, that was, uh, did anyone ever see that show, Politically Incorrect? Yeah. It was hosted by Bill Maher. Yeah. Well, he said. Um, Today we're going to be talking about date rape. Why don't we start with Jonathan Katz? <laughs> <laughs> and just to watch him giggle in anticipation of what I was going to say. To the David Feldman. What was the David Feldman oh, again? Well, oh, what I, well, the joke I told on that show was uh, date rape is horrendous, but there's something twice as bad, and nobody talks about it, and that's double date rape. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, what's the David?
2: <laughs> There are certain people. There are certain people who bring out the worst in you, like can make you do the worst joke at, at the worst time. And yeah. Feldman, didn't you start Feldman's radio show just starting at the first Oh yeah. Time was that on the show? Who said anything about underage girls?
1: <laughs>
0: first thing out of his mouth is that. But, I, but the guy who really brings out the dirtiest side of me is Stephen Wright, who you wouldn't think. I don't in, know. In what way? Just because. I'm so sorry, Al. It went, it went completely wrong. This
2: <laughs> <laughs> we have other stuff. We're gonna build a nice. Yeah. Ju- we're gonna leave you guys whistling Disney songs at the end. I promise. But right now, we're in a different. No, no. Place. I, 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 no, that's.
0: I, I don't want to go there. That's just oh. too. Okay. Wrong. Okay, but,
2: but, let's, but let's talk about it. Like, I mean, I always wrote from the. You know, like, uh, my stuff was so mindless, but it was all stuff in my house. You know, it, it, you have the courage to talk about. Sort of anything, and to bring it like you'll talk about some pretty dark stuff, but the audience will go with you, and you're also not afraid to go slowly. Which is, if you're a young comedian starting out, you tend to rush things. And for you to be only doing this five years, which is a really short amount of time, to take that kind of time is really admirable. And is there what was there a way that you sort of fell into it? What was uh, what's the process there?
3: I just sort of jumped into it. I mean, writing wise, for me, um, I think. What you're saying is true. A lot of my jokes are kind of a gimmick that I I want to like start off as someone that you like, and I think a lot of comedy writing, which is maybe different from uh, you know writing a novel or something, is knowing my place in the thing that I do, which is stand-up and how people perceive me when I get onto a stage, right? Um, because you, in that blue shirt, like that's a stand-up comic, right? Like You see that guy and you're like, yep, we're at a comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> I, and remember, I had
2: <laughs> departed from the guy with the jacket and the sleeves sure, rolled up. I, yeah. I had evolved. I sure, was, and, and, <laughs> and we've
3: all evolved a little bit past that, but it still is something that is true and real and that I'm conscious of when I go into a room that is this, is this this the place that I'm supposed to be. Do people buy me as a comic? So there's a lot of selling uh, some likability so that I can take a turn as the villain at the end, or or the the opposite. I think a lot of my jokes end up being um, sort of self-deprecating at the beginning and then turning that around to be you know the hero of some kind in my own mind (laughs) whether or not the audience buys it i don't know but um i also am sort of aware of my place in that comedy space that uh oh oh she seems like she would tell self-deprecating jokes and she's a female comic or whatever and so then to turn it around and compliment myself i've sort of already Bought the audience approval by that time, you, hopefully. I mean, that's the idea.
2: But, like, that's part of the genius of that bit. I'm throwing the word genius around. Of, of the uh, trophy girlfriend thing is that you turn it completely back onto the audience right away, which is that's all the approval you guys need. Like, that you've taken it completely away from yourself, and then it's now about you're making a larger comment, and uh, as opposed to someone who's uh, sort of little. Uh, Sort of a little more predictable, which would just be just a quick twist, and it's just just the other way. In other words, I'm self-deprecating. self-deprecating no, I'm not. It's not only am I not just self-deprecating. I'm I'm gonna deprecate all over you people. <laughs> I
3: mean, that's not how I would describe it. <laughs> but it's, it's
2: fantastic. I mean,
3: but only the men. Um, <laughs> That, and that's something, that's like, one of those jokes is if I ever have a show and a lot of women come up to me after and, and they really identified with it and thank me for it, then I feel like I, I'm doing okay.
1: Uh-oh.
3: Not so that I don't want to so make look, you guys happy, too, but so also like am Sure, so <laughs> so you're looking for, 50%. You're looking
2: for 50 That's pretty good. No, I'm
3: looking for 100%, but, I mean, like, that couple specifically in that set that I pointed out, mm-hmm. the husband got very upset. <laughs> And then the wife I met, she, I just ran into her in the bathroom, coincidentally, and she was like, "Thank you so much," because I did marry down, and and that just feels good.
2: Sure. <laughs> now, Jonathan, what about like there's a style to you, um, which is like I say, the long fuse, right. like, and and had you always done? Did you discover that, well, or is like how did that come back? You know,
0: I. I came into comedy by way of music. You know, I had a band, like you guys don't know about Cats and Jammers. Oh, (laughs) sure. We were a seminal band in the 80s. Actually, I think we started in 79, we ended in 80. (laughs) But but I noticed that when I sang, people talked. (laughs) When I talked, people listened. And when I danced people left <laughs> no so, uh, so it's like one of those Irish proverbs <laughs> that people have in their
2: kitchen yeah. <laughs> but no. anyway, what did the cat what did the cat and Jammers gem- make? I'm just curious did you have
0: a career did they make well we we uh, no <laughs> no but I on a good night what I, I think I think as a songwriter I had a b-side uh, well Robin Williams performed one of my songs on Morgan Mindy which was exciting yeah um, and then I recorded three record, three songs for RCA, and they were never hits, but... Do you know the song Everlasting Love? Yes, by me- Carl Douglas. Uh, but a guy, actually a guy named Buzz and wrote the song, but... Yeah. Open up, uh, uh-huh. Michael, help me out. Yeah. I- Everlasting. Everlasting Right. Well, on the B side of that was a song I wrote called No Place for a Lady. Is that true?
2: Yeah. I kept. I'm, I'm leading you in. I want you No, some do, of that's I true. I want you to it's, do it's, the Captain oh, Jammers joke. Oh no, it's. Oh, what's?
0: Yeah, mm, what, uh, <laughs> my, <laughs> oh right.
1: Yeah. So John, you, you guys
0: made a lot of money. Well, you know, it was a five-piece group.
1: <laughs>
0: and, you know, I had a, a bass player, a drummer, uh, another guitarist. I played. Lead, I played rhythm and sang lead. And on a good night, we could make five hundred dollars. Yeah. We never had a good night.
1: Yes!
3: We did it!
2: I don't care. I love that joke. And we're going to tell it again till I get some laughs. Yeah.
1: Jonathan, did the
2: cash and jammers ever make money?
0: Um, uh, a couple of kids not so
1: attractive.
2: I love that you got busted. Hmm. <laughs> She's been in the business fifteen seconds. Doesn't repeat a word. <laughs> All right. So, so okay. Long fuse. Now they're listening. Now you've got them. You've got them with your silences. What about
0: your words? How do you get them? Okay. Here's the thing. I mean, my <coughs> no, no. I'm going to speak. But my 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 approach to comedy is to give the audience as little information as they need to get the joke. I'll give an example. Uh, My aunt died last week. She was cremated, and we think that's what did it. (laughs) That's also that's also a very efficient joke. I mean, so I'm big on efficiency and spare. Yeah, spare. Yeah, but I I don't I don't want to have to give the audience too much information, because that wouldn't be a joke of mine.
2: One of my one of my favorite. I think the first I remember. You know, sometimes with comics, you remember the first. Place you were when you heard them do a bit, or you know, or where you were when you first heard someone's material. And I remember I was watching. It might have been your first Letterman when you talked about standing at a bar and watching on TV something about the nuclear apocalypse. And you're standing next to a construction. Oh, right, room. right.
0: Please do that joke right now. Well, <laughs> do all the jokes I like. No, <laughs> no I, I I used to go out to this bar in New York, uh, and I went there one night after a show and. I got into this very morbid conversation with a construction worker, a big guy, about nuclear war, and I, I said to him, look, you hear the sirens go off, the missiles are on the way, you've got 20 minutes to live, what are you going to do? He said, I am going to fuck anything that moves. He asked me what I was going to do. I said, I'm going to try and keep perfectly still. <laughs>
2: And that is when I fell hopelessly in love with Jonathan Katz. Uh, um, I, I, we have time for a lot of questions or some questions. I'll, I can ask them all all, all day long. But let, let's let's I open the question. floor. Wait, hold okay. on, Amy. We're, Amy gets to ask the first question.
3: Well, I'm sort of curious because we're at the opposite ends of style and place, you know. Because I'm so new, um, did you have that efficiency of words when you started, or because I feel like I'm. I'm being forced into it or I'm learning it. So even if it's not my style, eventually you well, want to do late night, you want to do TV sets, and you have to focus on the hits and, and where the you know where the punchlines are. And
0: one, th- one one of the problems of being efficient is that I used to pretend I had a half hour material. And I'd come off the stage and the guy said, that was only 20 minutes. And I said, no, no, I timed it. So it was exactly a half. Because you can't fill up a half hour if you do one-liners. Right. Unless you're Stephen Wright,
2: but it, it, it's also really weird because people who do there's a, a the audiences have gotten very savvy, and if you you got to be so confident in your approach and in your style, because if you go up and just tell jokes, there are very few guys who can do it. You can do it, Dimitri Martin can do it, but to just do jokes because people really want it they want to hear the real person or what they they want to get a lens into. Into who you are and what your perspective and what your point of view is, which is what you give them, and so it's weird for someone to just do jokes. It's like, yeah, I'm hearing
0: jokes, but I could just read these. I think the audience sometimes. Amy, feels. what was the first time you did stand-up comedy? What was the occasion?
3: The occasion was just an open mic at a, a laundromat.
0: <laughs> Were you it's
2: already it. doing laundry, or was it? No, like, no,
3: it I was going through. a sort of a breakdown, and then just decided to try stand-up. Uh, there's a long-running open mic in San Francisco at the Brainwash on Folsom Street. And it's been going on for 15 years or something. So I did three minutes at this laundromat with mostly comics in the room. And it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went back.
2: Jokes you already had? or, or uh...
3: Yeah, some things I've kind of just been tossing around. Um, but. Three minutes at that time feels like an eternity,
1: yeah,
3: and now, and it's a, that's a funny shift in comedy writing, I think is that well at least for the phase where I am is that you start, and three minutes feels like you're on stage forever, stage, you know it's a laundromat um washer and then spin cycle, <laughs> and then five years later i, I am sort of I have to try to go back and go okay what's, what's a three minute TV set with you know that's as good as it can be and that's very very hard to do well not if you're a comic well, like Jonathan I
0: also agree with what Lou was saying that This business is so competitive all by itself the idea <laughs> of comedy competition seems so unnecessary to me I know it, it has helped you in, in a big way but it just seems like there's got to be another way the first time I ever did stand up was in Washington D.C. in the '60s. A friend of mine was an activist, and he said, "If you come to Washington, I promise I will get you some stage time." And I learned three things about <laughs> I learned three things about comedy that day. I learned you don't want you don't want to work outside, you don't want to work in the daytime, and you never want to follow a crowd pleaser because by the time this guy was done talking about his dream. The long fuse, ladies and gentlemen. You <laughs> had to joke. take a pause
2: during that. <laughs> but Jonathan's right, by the way. My sec, first time on stage for me was at, at high school. I killed. You know, it's if you're working to an audience that knows the people you're talking about, you're gonna do better. So if I, my killer Mrs. Young uh, geometry teacher impression, I oh. thought I was I was the I was the friggin' king. Uh, my second time. But can we see that? Uh, we cannot. My second time, spring fling. 1981. They said Paul Provenza did it. You should do it. I decided I would host six hours. I those I had 20 index cards. It felt like about six hours. Uh, in between bands, oh, I got murdered. It was terrible. It was rough. It was all day long, and I I, I dropped. I, I like you say, was that was that six hours? I was yeah. finished in five minutes, and then I just started shouting the names of the band and running off mm-hmm. and, I, and, and i and I got murdered, but I knew that I, I the great part of it is I knew I was supposed to marry my wife, who's here now because she watched wow. me uh, and did not turn away and just was like she she actually did the worst thing a person can say to a comedian, I thought you were funny. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were good. I thought you was like, don't help me. But she, uh, so that was, that was the second time. So let's start with the question. Go ahead. Okay. Wait, hold on. Someone has a microphone. You go first, then you can go second. I don't need Yes, you do. Okay. Okay. So Amy, I have a question for you. Um, so I, I guess um, I'm
1: interested in the process and the oh, okay. discipline um, because, uh, you know, it seems like I, I don't think you can learn to be a comedian. You, um, you can
2: learn to be a comedian, you can't learn to be funny.
1: Okay. All right. So, so I'm, sure. I'm more interested in you're, you know, you're not, you're just going around and you're performing. So what is your daily process and how do you keep discipline about um, preparing what you need? Don't uh,
3: I mean, the discipline comes and goes like any other writer, I guess. Um, The daily process, it's really performing as much as I can, and that's also partially the stage that I'm in, because I'm so new, relatively new, that I can't, I have no way of knowing if something works unless I try it in front of a group of people. So um, it's usually a lot of just taking notes, um, doing an initial, you know, writing something down that I think is funny, which half of the time does not end up being funny to anyone else. Um, but you, there's only one way to really know, um, which is by trying it. So it's really just, a, right now for me, it's a lot of performance. And um, and I would say uh, in this phase, making sure that I don't say dude so much. Um, mm. And also having, trying to have a variety of uh Of jokes that touch on a lot of different subjects. So it's really easy for me, well, not single anymore, but previously single, like 35-year-old, you know, white women, like a lot of us in comedy want to go like, oh, are you guys on Tinder? You know, dating jokes, um, jokes about being single. And I certainly have those, but right now my writing process is what's what what funny happened in the world today, what funny happened in my family today, um, so that I know that I have kind of a breadth of material. Is that a good approach? That's a good approach. <laughs> I just want free advice from Jonathan today. <laughs> Do you end
1: up every morning and every day and set aside some time?
3: I don't, but I should. Um, No. I mean, now that I, you're you're literally catching me right at the time that I'm going full-time, like in this next two weeks. So I will be doing that and also just taking writing gigs that before I couldn't because I had a full-time job or, you know, whatever it was, so that I'm constantly sort of working my you know, the writing parts of my brain. Do
1: um, you,
2: how often would you say, you tr- do you try new material every single night? Uh,
3: no, no. no I, I don't think so because, again, sort of situational. Like if I'm working at a club I've never worked before and mm-hmm. I want to be asked back, that's not necessarily the time to try something new uh, when you're trying to wow someone so then sometimes you spend five nights um, doing jokes that you're very very comfortable with um, so that you look as good as you can um, but having said that when I'm in other towns I also still try to go to open mics after those paid gigs so that I can do those new jokes but I try you know at least a few times a week yeah
2: some of that depends on where you are you know I worked in New York when and New York is good again um, but when I was there it was really really good and you could go to you could do uh, two sets a night, and then at least on the weekends, four, five, six, and seven sets a night. And I would do. And I would you'd do, make back the cab fare if you. You basically that. make back the cab. <laughs> you, t- you took the bus and you traded right. transfers with Susie Essman. Um, and you would. Um, and what I would do, I try to do a new line every night. It wasn't always a new premise, but it might be an, a tag to something that I was already doing. But that, you know, but you didn't sit down. I definitely, you know, it's like you said. Yeah, and I'll do do that even if I'm
3: in a place where I'm trying to do the hits or to look good. I will um, rewrite the jokes each set. So you try something on Thursday night. If it works, then you try to get on Friday night, or you change it up a little bit. It's kind of an ongoing process. And
0: Mm -hmm. writing stuff that's topical is really smart. And the other, the other, the other category is evergreen, Mm -hmm. because couple of kids not so attractive. What's that? couple of kids yeah. not so attractive. Because I can see you I can see you with a writing job on a talk show. But that's a situation where you need to read the newspaper
3: every day. Sure. Well, and I think that uh, in my generation of comedians, social media has helped us a lot, which, you know, you can hate it. You can hate Twitter. You can say that it's ruining, you know, writing or the English language. But for joke writing, it's really handy. Because I might I not be... I might not be performing that night, but something happens like Harriet Tubman gets a $20 bill and then you see 50... I'm not going to go in two years and tell a joke about Harriet Tubman getting money, but today on Twitter, it's a good way to just exercise that part of my brain and write topical material.
2: It's it's what satisfies that juice that I used to have to get to go to the stand-up comedy clubs at night. Now I can tweet one joke a day. They don't all work, but I do try to put out one joke a day. Um, Sorry. Let's go right here. Thank you. Uh, So you guys were uh, telling these very dark jokes. I was just wondering, um, like, on that sort of topic, what do you guys think about being politically correct, Um, if you guys have
0: opinions on this? Interesting. What does that mean? No.
3: Uh, I have... I have mixed feelings about it. Um.
0: Oh, can I can I answer with what, yes? Of this course, what? yeah. I, I don't care if somebody's white, black, straight, gay. We're all Asians. <laughs> when, when, okay, it, when it comes right down to yeah. It. Okay, I'm sorry. It comes right. cut you off. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, it's not something. <laughs> Jonathan Katz, everyone. Um, <laughs> It's not something that I think about constantly. I mean, I've lived in Portland for the last three years and started in the Bay Area. So, although I started in Oakland and it's very different from San Francisco, um, I think it's not something that I focus on. Again, and part of my writing process is like making people like me, so that when I get to the darker stuff, it doesn't anger so many people. If it's going to anger anyone. Because uh, for the most part, you're like, oh, we know her story, we kind of like her already, um, and we trust her with this. There are certain groups of people that are trusted less, you know. I mean, it's just, like if you're a handsome, straight, white man, you're going to be trusted less by any blue like,
1: shirt. That yeah, exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be trusted less with the, that subject matter. I don't. I mean, I think people should be able to joke about whatever they want, um, but for me. <laughs> Now San Francisco is a great example because it's become a very rich city. And more than people being politically correct, I just think people are not as funny there anymore. They've lost a sense of humor because there's something that happens when you're very wealthy and you haven't been through that much hard shit that you're not funny. And so what I encounter there is not that people are like, oh, I'm shocked that you said that. I get a lot of people going, aw, and I'm like... Fuck you! Like yeah. that is the worst thing you can do. Like I'm in control here. You don't awe me. I don't care how much money you have. And I honestly think that's a much bigger issue than people being sensitive about being politically correct right now. But I don't, it's just not something I think about a lot. I guess. I mean, Amy, I hear about it every fucking Amy, day. But I, Amy, can
0: I, I, have a, I have a question for you, and because you're a woman, and I'm wondering if you think you. that. Do you you think that American women join ISIS because they're attracted to the bad boy type?
1: (laughs) This is... (laughs)
0: I'm not the first guy that's asked you this today. (laughs)
3: To to take it back to writing, I don't know why I'm in charge of this now, but um, (laughs) it's just my personality, but... I think that Jonathan's always been a master of this and it's something I think a lot of comics have ripped off from him in a way is um, that that technique of being like, I'm really telling you a story right now, and we're just talking, and oh, oops, there's a joke at the end, and you fucking (laughs) fell for it, is like a genius writing technique, and I think like something everyone's trying to do now. Um, And so, I don't know. I don't know if that's like an, of course, it's an intentional part of your process, right? Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: it yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> would
0: you, you just made him aware
2: of it for the
1: first yeah, time yeah, exactly. I'm good yeah. I have
0: to tell you I'm having a very weird optical experience because if you just sit up straight for a second you, you because you your mother said so you don't have a lot of hair on top of your head but the guy behind you does <laughs> and right now from this angle oh, oh it's yeah.
1: uh, oh, no. no. it
0: might be a woman behind you but it looks like her hair is on your head <laughs> This almost, is what co- you wonder what the, going through the comics head on yeah. stage? It's like, oh, that guy looks like he has four. <laughs>
2: Have heads. you been that's
3: celebrating cool. 420 today?
0: <laughs> I, I also want to try on this guy's shoes,
2: but that's yeah, a whole other story. But can I just say one thing? Yeah. The, you know, we talk about pe- being being politically correct or the audience. The, the, the joy of stand-up and the trick of stand-up and the horror of stand-up is watching the comedian get the audience to think the way the comedian wants them to. Like, you're, you want to change people's perception. You want to make them think your way. And so then you, once you've done that, you can say anything you want. So politically correct or not, the question is knowing where that line is and, and knowing I've got him right now. I can say the worst thing about anything right now, and it's fine. But you're not thinking it that way. You're thinking I can say the funniest thing about anything right now because everything's rolling. But the second you lose that, it doesn't take much sometimes, then you've all of a sudden crossed some line and you're yeah. in trouble.
3: And, I, and it seems to me, and I don't know because I'm not a rich, famous comedian, but it seems to me that it is hard. I mean, the people that are yelling the loudest about – college students, you guys being overly politically correct, are, you know, Seinfeld and Chris Rock and people who are extremely wealthy now and maybe are a little bit removed from where they originally started in, in the way that they're able to kind of talk about the struggle because they're not in it anymore, you know, as much. I mean, especially not Jake Seinfeld, but... Um, <laughs> You know, so are college students being overly sensitive, or is it that you're like, oh, well, you you can you're out of touch with that now. You know, I mean, you don't get to talk about that anymore because you're multi I mean, I don't know. I think that's part of it.
0: And sometimes, if you're on stage and things aren't going well, you'll do, you'll say anything, for a laugh. Uh, this is not the, a good example of that, but, <laughs> <laughs> this is a joke I told that got me in trouble. It was uh, talking about. Uh, Having a pet goose with Down syndrome. <laughs> I, I got a, and that that joke was broadcast on some Massachusetts station, and a father of of a kid with Down syndrome called me and said it was really hurtful to hear that, and I promised him I'd never do it again, and for two weeks I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's your record. No, that's that's true Be- it's because good. That, because that became the part of a larger bit about. Uh, The Home for Troubled Animals. That was just the first one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, occasionally you just sort of accept that a few feelings are going to be hurt, and it's not necessarily what I want, at least. But, uh, I mean, there's only so much you can do to really prevent it, I Um, think.
2: There are those jokes. Though, I mean, I joke that I used to. There were certain jokes that I would only do. I'm going back to this area. Jokes I would only do after, you know, like 1.30 in the morning, only because Sarah Silverman would yell, "Do it!" And uh, <laughs> but it was like that. I was watching this. And I saw this ad for the Special Olympics. What the Special Olympics? It's the terrible Olympics. Um,
3: <laughs> well, that's also a bad joke. <laughs>
2: But 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 I'm gonna I'm going argue I'm gonna argue I'm gonna argue. I'm gonna argue with, yeah, just now it was terrible. <laughs> but at 1:30 in the morning sure, on sure. that night, sure, sure, when sure. people had already been listening, yes, to yes, you
3: guys blazed all the trails. I know, I know. <laughs>
1: Listen,
2: you're gonna have a great time. It's be, it's, a, it's all shits and giggles. You have a do, good time. do either of you use
0: music in your act?
3: No, not usually. No.
0: Can I show you how easy it is?
3: <laughs>
0: I'm going to split the room in half and, like you guys, just go, boom up up, boom up up, Come on. Boom up up, boom up Keep going. Boom up up, And while they're doing that, I want you to say, I hate myself. I am so full of self loathing. Easy okay. as that.
2: It's as easy as that. <laughs> I get, you know, it's funny. At the time. Thank you, literally. I'm still going, yeah, that what that joke did suck, but I'm telling you, I get some big answers. laughs. No. What else? What other questions? In the back. Yeah. Um,
1: it, um, like...
0: It's nice to know that the brainwash stand up scene has still survived to the Googleization of San Francisco. <laughs> oh. oh. yeah, it's thrilling. I used to do uh, open mics at Josie's. Oh, wow. Um, so the question is did any of you actually get to tour clubs before you learned to drive (laughs) Uh,
3: in New York
2: you can really
1: do that
3: yeah not before I learned to drive but I didn't I I didn't have a car actually I bought a car three months ago so I've been just doing that for five years and it's possible if you're in a big city I mean I know a lot of people that do it um, and some teenagers that do stand up it's totally possible
2: what, what is is there a second part to that question? Like, is there a car related question, or is there like, if you're a young comedian, what's the best car? Like, no, yeah.
3: no, no. It was just the fact that the only place that I ever did was Josie's, and there was oh, yeah. uh, what's its face on the
2: Embarcadero, and that was it. <laughs> oh, because there was because of accessibility. Yeah, because you could get there without. A in, car. in
3: California, it was impossible. Right. New York, sure, but. Pfft. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're in a we're in a crazy boom. So I mean, there are you know comedy shows multiple nights a week in Omaha, Nebraska. You know, yeah. I mean, there are scenes That's everywhere, which amazing. is great. Yeah, it's great for comedy. Well, what a comic started right
2: was with the original boom. What started was that all these clubs had all these kind like this is in the mid '80s. All these nightclubs had been banned, had been rock and roll venues, and so they'd have you know rock and roll nights and they'd have live bands. And what the club owners realized uh, was that they could pay one guy, they could pay three. Acts, you know, you know, maybe you know, 200 bucks for the entire show and get a whole night's worth of entertainment. And the comedians usually did not trash the condo or the hotel room where they were staying, and they ate relatively little compared to what a rock band might eat. And so it was just much cheaper. So that's how the comedy boom started. That sort of started it.
1: Um,
0: in, the, in the 90s, in the early 90s, one out of three Americans was a professional comedian. <laughs> And I, I would I walked into I would walk into Bloomingdale's and I'd say um where can I find men's shoes? And The guy would say on men's feet, Sparky. <laughs> but there's more to that. But I, I, don't, I don't think <laughs> there's more. Yeah, I don't think we need. How this. much
1: more?
0: <laughs> Shit on him now. Go ahead. No, no,
3: wait. Never. No, I, I went
0: I went to a funeral and the rabbi said this is my third funeral of this week and I'm not a mourning person. <laughs> Jonathan, see oh. that's
2: one thing. Some comedians they don't like that feeling. Jonathan loves that feeling. <laughs> Makes you feel alive, right?
1: Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> any 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 more questions? Sorry, Zach. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so oh hi. Um, so my name is Zach. Um, I want to know. So what what hi. <laughs> um, what made each one of you guys want to get into comedy?
3: Well. Jonathan got into comedy. (laughs) I don't know. Um, uh, I was sort of having a little bit of a mental breakdown. It really came from me wanting to cure my stage fright, which I felt like was hindering me in a lot of professional ways. Um, And just in my normal life, a lot of social anxiety. So I I don't know. I just kind of lost my mind and then tried it. And I got, you know... People say you get the laugh and you're just hooked. That's not true. It took many more times of feeling I was dying. Um, I mean, I got a laugh. You
2: bring a joy to the entire enterprise. I have to <laughs> well, say. I'm
3: terrified right now because I'm just going from like this is a part of my life to I'm jumping into it. So it is like a special time for me mentally. <laughs> but, um, uh, I, yeah, I just kind of. I just kind of jumped into it, and then um, got a laugh the first time. And it was really therapeutic. For all the stuff that I was going through, um, I found this was you know 2010 in the Bay Area. Uh, people who weren't in tech mostly weren't working. There was you know, there was the peak of the recession. There were like people who left their jobs and started doing comedy just as a way to like, not kill themselves. And uh, so I just found a lot of like-minded people and I think the community kept me in um, and uh, that's just getting stuff off my chest during that time. And just kind of stuck with it. So far. So far,
0: You know, you're. I was a male model.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I Pack- packages. <laughs> no, I, I I went into comedy because I really don't have any other skills. That... There is a piece
2: of that, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. I mean, for everybody who does, you talk to a lot of comedians. They just think like I I couldn't do anything else. You know, well, like, this
3: might be some of my fear and panic right now is that I have. So many other skills. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what am I
3: doing this for? <laughs> no, you know, but it is weird. I mean,
2: how much? I mean, how much road time did you guys do? Was there a tremendous amount?
0: I heat? spent 15 years on the road working in nightclubs until I realized I'm not a night person. No, but that—that th- that is a true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, yeah, 15 years driving, doing one nighters out of New York, having a car. Helped me because mm-hmm. I could drive people places. Yeah. Then, th- by the way, that
2: guy will always work in in, in those days. That guy because you could you always know. he'll drive you. There was a guy named Doug James in Boston, and he was not a great comedian, but he did have a car, and people used to call him Home James.
3: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's I'm glad you made that note because you're obviously great, but often the guy no, who has the that. car is not good. So if you ever look at stand up comedy and you're like why are these mediocre, always opening for like my favorite headliners? Because they drove them there 20 years ago. And, you know, it's like all the guys who travel with Kevin Hart right now, Philly native, I used to drive him to gigs all the time and those are just his friends and they're kind of funny but you know if you're ever like well, people really get ahead so you should get a car I guess is what is what I meant it's to like say we're talking all about we're talking all about the process <laughs> yeah. and the
2: take of, the take yeah. of like, well, thing is cars are
1: good
3: yeah <laughs> a lot of the process is bringing openers along with yeah. you who are not very good but have something else to offer yeah. you be it a car sex, sex drugs, drugs. um so Move. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm willing to offer um Headliners to get you, ahead.
0: You know Don Marra. I right? do. Yeah, well, I used to do one nighters with him when I lived in New York, and he would say to me, we, we would drive from Manhattan to New Haven, Connecticut, a couple of times a month, and he said, John, you are such a great car comedian. You are so funny in the in the car. But we get to the club and it's all gone. All the comedy
2: is
1: gone.
0: You know, but, but that is
2: the stuff that, like, those those formative years are fun to look back on. Like, I used to do 30 weeks a year on the road, and it was, awful. like, it was awful, but, but good. I mean, but there, there's also a place to fail. I mean, if you, you know, like, who cares? Springfield, Missouri, try new stuff, you know? Like, what, what yeah. are they going to do? Hold your grades? I mean, you know,
0: just, just do it, you know? No one's going to make take comedy again
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you fail it the first true. time. That's true. Do we have more questions?
2: Anything else? One or two more?
3: Should we be talking about writing more? Or? Okay. I don't know. Ask okay. a write, somebody ask a
2: writing question. <laughs> I have
3: a writing we question. Can. You can. Um, so I write and perform for a sketch comedy group. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you think it's the same sort of brain power or comedic gene that can do uh, sketch and other forms of writing, like screenwriting, that can also do stand-up, or if you think it's a different sort of part of the brain and a different... Uh, form of talent? Sure, I think they're all related. I mean, anything that has to be performed in, you know live in front of an audience is in some ways a manipulation of that group of people. Um, so it's definitely the same muscle, I think. It's like what combination of words and what What rhythm, uh, you know, can I create to make this room full of people laugh, no matter what combination of people are in it? So yeah, I think it's totally the same, same muscle.
2: Um, I I actually taught. Can I interrupt for a second? Of course. I taught a course here a few years ago, um, and it was basically. Wait, you have to say more. It was amazing. You taught a whole semester's course uh, just to Penn students. It, well, I I I did, but I don't know. It was it was great. It. No hecklers. Thank, thank you. No, hey, yes, hey, I hey, I don't have to take that kind of shit from you, pal. You know
0: what? It um, was good, no matter yeah, what you um, say.
2: But 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 the but it was really fun. It was really fun for me. But it, it what the the structure of the course was was this that we did. It was about writing comedy from a personal perspective, from from your individual uh, experience. So. What the first the first exercise was comedic essay. Second exercise was uh, three to five minutes of stand up. And the first and the third exercise was a three to five minute scene. And hopefully, what I tried for was to have the people bring up the same themes and characters in the first exercise and then carry them all the way through in a way in the same way. I hate to use I hate to get too like. Highfalutin about this. The same way an artist would work out a visual piece in sculpture or sketch or watercolor. Like, but they could be the same kind of form or or subject matter. And and obviously, if something was terrible, we didn't dwell on it and make them do it the whole semester. But we we you know we, we played played around with that idea. And so I think it is. I think it is all connected. So you can't waste your time that way. One more question. We have time for one more. How perfect! we ran out of time when no one had a question. Oh, one more question. Okay, go ahead.
1: This is more for um, more about relationships. So obviously, like when you're in the grind and doing this full time and doing your 15 years and all that, it puts a lot of strain just on the balance. So how have you guys handled the balance, and what are you about to do with your mental breakdown? Uh-
0: <laughs> I'm going to let my wife answer that. <laughs>
1: yeah, and how's, I'm going to let wife done? answer <laughs>
3: Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. I mean, in the immediate term, I'm moving to Los Angeles for this stupid idea, and another person is going to move there with me and throw away his whole life, probably. Um, uh, The balance, I mean, I got lucky because he's sort of in the industry. He's not a comedian, but he understands sort of the time commitment. For me, that hasn't been hard because I'm very solitary anyway. So my friends and family have been used to me not keeping in that much touch my whole life. So at least now they can come to a show and they can see me um, and, like, hear me talk. Uh, It's just not necessarily a great relationship. But um, I, I don't know. I guess it hasn't hasn't been that crazy for me yet but I don't have children I'm not married you know it's all been it's brought me closer to my family I'll say that Um, the kind of comedy that I do is very autobiographical and so it was kind of like we're all jumping in. It's not like I have this career. It's like, I'm going to go on TV and talk about you, so please sign this form. Because they <laughs> have to sign an actual release. Um, and that has brought us closer, just that we were kind of sitting on all these demons that were really scary and awful, and uh, had you know this really hard upbringing. And to just have it be jokes now is like ridiculous but it's, it's made us all a little bit more lighthearted about it because you know once somebody makes money off of it who cares <laughs> and I think
0: Lou, Lou would probably agree with me that if you're going to write comedy or perform comedy you need to fictionalize everyone in your life people you love, people you don't like that much.
3: You, are you being serious?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, yes. I
3: thought you were walking me into a joke. Oh, <laughs>
1: no. I can't tell. No, so what?
2: Wait. You have to wait till he leaves to get...
1: <laughs> no.
0: no, that's... I'm being dead serious.
3: I don't. Oh, do like so you think there are some long-term risks in me not fictionalizing anyone?
1: <laughs>
0: no. No, no, I wasn't saying that, but I think that it, it, your family is fair game. You know, um, I mean, it leads. It can
2: lead you to great. I say, write yeah. what you know, and I write that family stuff, and I've written it on television for years and years, and it's like it's. It, you know, there's a lot. There's some apologizing
3: that yeah. goes on. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of like, come on, I'm doing it for the audience, you know. But but it can be damaging. I thought. Were you talking about relationships in terms of material, generating material, or in the sheer time away from people? Time away, like the balance. That like, sucked. Yeah, like because you, like you did the fifteen. That, that was rough. Very uh, rough. Yeah. That's rough. Can we take a minute to thank these three amazing people? Thank
0: you. thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank Mingo Reynolds for putting this event together, Lou Schneider for inviting me, Amy Miller for her participation, and the Kelly Rutgers House in Philadelphia at UPenn. Today's episode was mastered and edited by Bryce Kanzer and was produced by Dana Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like today's podcast, please subscribe, rate, comment, and share. You don't have to do it in that order. Links and more information are available at jonathancats.com. I'm Jonathan Katz, and thank you so much for listening.